Welcome to the Canine Classroom, a podcast for dog training professionals and dog enthusiasts where we discuss training, behavior, and everything in between. We're two friends and dog trainers that share a passion for dogs. We're constantly learning, exploring, and questioning each other's ideas as well as our own so we can become better at what we do. We're here to provide helpful advice, have open conversations, ask questions, get answers, as well as hear from colleagues and experts in the industry, regardless of method and training style. So take a seat and get your notepad out because class is in session. weird i eat a lot of meat but if i like like sometimes i'll make a lot of meat at one time Hmm. and it starts to fucking get to me like i'm like oh man this is so much like i had like five pounds of chopped meat and i'm just like cooking it all together in a pot and i'm no like i'm not thinking about it like that it just like when there's so much of it it just starts getting me a little like weird i'm like oh my god so much meat But is it so much? But isn't it because you're eating it like you're using it over the course of a few days? So doesn't get a little boring? Like also, like I don't know. I just feel like yeah. I Yeah. I mean, I do different things with the same meat. You know, it's not like I just eat the same. Like we've had this discussion. I make fun of Anthony because he like makes all the garnishes and all of his like fancy stuff. I just like wait a minute. Hold on now. Now you're gonna fuck like flowers and like (laughs) wheatgrass. No, no. I want this on the record. (laughs) Vinny's definition of fucking garnish garnishes is vegetables. Like fucking a side (laughs) of fucking vegetables, like salad. No, 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 no. He takes like the balsamic vinaigrette and like. Draws like little, the drizzle like, clouds yeah. and fucking don't even, flowers don't in the make, corner. Don't even make like shit up. Like now you fucking like, <laughs> full of shit. Like you are so full of meat. See how defensive he's getting. You're, so, you know, so you're gonna true. have to like show you your know, dinners. You're gonna have to like so snap bad. your dinner every night. <laughs> Just so, so I know that like you're not lying. You know? No, no I will send you pictures. I don't know. He's getting so mad. <laughs> He's going to be eating those boring meals now. Fucking balsamic. It's already fucking mixed, oh you asshole. But Your Vinny's meals are like, going to be so boring now. The, Vinny's, <laughs> Vinny's freaking, like, I'll send him a picture of what I'm eating. And he's like, look at your fancy garnishes. It's a piece of grilled chicken with a side of salad and sweet potatoes. And it's fucking fancy garnishes in Vinny's mind. But it probably looks really pretty, that. right? That's a lot of yes, things that you got going on. Right there. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> fucking pretty. fancy garnishes oh, you man. all right anyway oh boy it's fucking done with asshole i like it i like when anthony's mad so i like to get him mad before we start get him fired up he does better he does better that way. happened multiple times there in like go. a couple of days too i use i use frustration in my training with anthony <laughs> To get him nice and frustrated first. (laughs) Performs better. Yeah. I don't know about that. (laughs) All right. Well, we haven't done one of these in a while, so I kind of am a little rusty here. All right. Sounds good. It'll be a good one then. Yeah. Anything will sound good to me, so. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Canine Classroom. I'm Anthony DeMarinis. I'm here with that guy over there, Vinny Viola. And today, there you go. Yeah, there we go. And today we got Jordan Zingus with us. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Got it. Nailed it. Yes. So tell everyone a little bit about yourself. 
All right. So uh, I am in my 12th year of teaching health and physical education at Lake Trobe area high school. I, um, I was like an athlete my whole life and played college softball, still, you know, coaching a lot. Um, so I'm, I've always been like really hands-on. I learned better by doing things. Um, yeah, I played a little bit of professional football for the Pittsburgh Passion and uh, just started my own dog training business a couple years ago, mainly because I have uh, three three dogs that gave me a lot of trouble and uh, kind of had a hard time finding answers. So that's how I wound up where I am today. All right. And so like when you say you struggled, like what, like, I guess elaborate a little bit on that. Cause I know we've just, we were discussing a little bit before, like mistakes that like we make as newer trainers or, or before many of us even start training, like just us being like dog owners or hobbyists and we screw up and learn from our mistakes. So explain. Yeah. That. So uh, I guess in, I was coaching like year round when I was teaching uh, like three seasons, fall, fall, winter, spring. And eventually after, I don't know, I think I did the math earlier. It was like in the span of 30 seasons, I coached 26 of them. So I was like constantly at the high school um, and I wanted a dog. I had a dog in college, but when I did my student teaching and, and softball playing my last season of softball, I sent my dog home to live with my mom. She lived on a farm and then I never really had the heart to like take him off the farm. And he's since passed. He was like the best dog ever, you know, the dog you get, that's like an angel. And then you get your next dog and you're like, what the hell, where did this come from? <laughs> um, so that was my, like, what the hell dog was Duke. He's now almost six years old. He's a German shepherd mix. Uh, so that was like a real wake up call. But when I first got him, my boyfriend at the time, no longer, um, we've since split, but we opened a CrossFit gym in 2017. So from Monday to Friday, um, I would get home at like 315 and then I'd let Duke out. We'd go to the gym. We'd get there by like 4.30, 4.45. We'd coach a five o'clock class. We'd coach a 6.30 class and we wouldn't get home until like eight o'clock. So when I first got him, I had no business getting him. I was also coaching softball the time I got him. It was in March. So I would like either take him to practices with me and like tie him up in the bleachers or I would take him to the gym with me, or I'd take him to the gym with me after softball practice. Long story short, I didn't have the time to like dedicate. And I didn't know how much time I needed to dedicate with him. Um, I'd never had a German shepherd before. Like I said, my, my old dog was like the best dog ever. So um, he taught me a lot. <laughs> um, did, did he have like, were there certain like behavior issues or something that were popping up? Cause like, obviously you were l working long hours. Like, so were there things yeah. that, like pop? Oh up man. You start seeing this or. <laughs> yeah. It was like a laundry list of things. So like if, if you could, could make a list of all the things you don't want dog owners to do, I, I probably did every single one of them, you know, like he was out of the crate by the time he was six months old. Cause I felt bad. Cause I was never home. There is still like a basketball sized 
dent in my memory foam mattress just because I haven't bought a new one yet. Um, and then when he was nine months old, I thought he needed a playmate. So I got my second dog, Bera, who was like the sweetest dog in the world, but she's afraid of everything because I didn't, didn't do like the reputable breeder thing. And I got her from Craigslist and she was 16 weeks old from the middle of nowhere. So that was cool. Um, but yeah. So then those two were like roaming the house and destroying stuff. And then I felt bad because they were bored during the day. So I went out to my mom's and my stepdad helped me build like a little perch, like a little bench to put shoes in, put it in the mud room. That way the dog could, could sit on that and look out the window all day and watch the world go by and just learn to be real reactive and <laughs> all that we went to dog parks we ran every day because the time it took me to get home and leave for the gym it was just enough time to load them up in the car take them to the field run them crazy bring them back home they were tired um but i didn't understand like that i could be building a super athlete i didn't understand that emotions and like a, a calmer state of mind were even a thing I just thought like a tired dog is a good dog, you know? So eventually from the dog parks, from the running, from the um, sitting in the sunroom and like watching, you know, real life TV go by every day, we lived in a corner house. So they could see like people walk past, they could see the mailman come all the way across the parking lot, put the mail right beside our door, leave. Eventually he was like attacking the window trying to get to the mailman um that eventually turned into like leash frustration and reactivity on walks because he wanted to go see everyone because he always got to go say hi and play and you know all that stuff so yeah we had like a laundry list of things that kind of just compounded and mixed that in with not having enough time not knowing enough not really understanding a lot about dog training. I think I had a really skewed idea of like what training actually was. I was the the owner that was like, oh, he's so stubborn because like he's done it a few times. So he knows, you know, so. <laughs> Where did like what made you, well, I guess like this kind of made you jump into training. I was going to say what made you get into training, but I guess this yeah. and like, so where did like, where did you go from there? Like, what did you like? Yeah. I know um, where you are now, I guess. Right. So there is like a, it, it's super cool. And people come from like all over the place. There's a indoor dog park, like agility ring and stuff, uh, B and D Creekside center, like just maybe 10 minutes across town. So I, I took him there when he was like six months when I, of course, six months when I realized, Oh shit, I don't really know what I'm doing. I need to go get help with my dog. So we went and did some puppy classes and he was just like, so all over the place. I mean, I had chicken, I had steak and, and before this, like, and ungarnishes um, too, right. And garnishes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, I should preface this by saying like, I free fed him. I put like eggs on top of his food and gravy and you know all, all of the fixings. So, you know, he, he just was able to do what he wanted and what he wanted didn't have any real motivation to work for food. I didn't mean anything to him. 
um, I thought I did, but, yeah. um, so anyway, I, I went to these training classes. I had chicken with me. I had steak, I had treats, whatever. Um, and he was just like, so all over the place. I remember feeling like I wanted to curl into a ball and just like hide in the corner. I was mortified. And I'm very much like, I excelled in the sports that I played. If I do something, I want to do it well. I want to understand why. And I know like that anxiety in me was kind of like, I was having a hard time handling it, mm-hmm. let alone him. Um, so that was like the start of things. And then we had done like the puppy class, the puppy plus, the obedience one, the obedience two. And I just kept thinking there's got to be something I'm missing because things just aren't adding up. But it was just group classes and it was very much just like, here's the cookie. Okay, do the thing. A lot of luring and not even to the point where it was conveyed that we understood why we were doing it. Like I remember doing the recall exercises and the lady saying like, okay, now take a step backwards but they never explained why they never explained like when you move away from your dog, like kind of pulls them to you or stepping towards them and like how that worked. Um, so yeah. And then I, I fostered some puppies and then we ended up, I ended up getting Lucy. Uh, I tried to foster her foster fail. Here she is. But um, after getting her, I, I just kind of like, stumbled into hand feeding because she ate like a little bird like she wouldn't eat her food and because I had the other two I needed all of them to eat at the same time so I ended up like having to just literally grab a scoop of food in my hand and say here please eat instead of taking a couple pieces across the room and eating it over there um so I kind of stumbled onto like hand feeding and like that type of engagement with her but trying to think I think after after having her for about six months I saw an opening what that maybe it was a year get my timeline mixed up um but I saw like a local company around home they had apprenticeships and they had like openings for hiring for trainers and I thought well that's pretty cool And it was around the time where I was stepping away from coaching as much at the high school. So I was like, well, why not? Like, I don't have anything going on in summer. Uh, I'll do this. And, and I did, and it kind of like sparked my interest for training and I guess everything kind of grew from there. So you just kind of like jumped into it really? Like, I mean, you were obviously had some interest, but you just kind of were like, oh, that looks cool. And I have the time. Let me see what that's about. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I think at that point I realized the, I realized some of the mistakes I had made and I started like just training mine, e- even if it was just like tricks and stuff or like how to walk better on a leash. And I started doing a lot more than just like the, the stuff that we worked on in the classes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking, well, if all of this helped me so much, I like coaching. I like, I like working with people and what else have I ever done? I've always had dogs. I've always played sports. I like like encouraging people. I like, like, like motivating uh, you like motivating, yeah, motivating that's people and building yeah. <laughs> like 
yeah, build relationships a, with a, them a relationship and connections. Connection. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. And I remember like how much I was struggling and just thinking like, man, if I would have known X, Y, and Z when I first started, everything would have been different it's like kind of random but like like as you're saying this it was just making me think so um i like for me if i go to a like a seminar or a workshop or a presentation and i don't click with the person or the Mm -hmm. is um very dry i kind of like I kind of tune out or shut off um like I'm kind of a person who needs like I need someone to be a little motivating I need them to be kind of like I need them to like grab my attention um and I'm curious like do you think that looking back one multiple questions here one do you think that that was part of maybe like where you were confused in your classes was it like not clicking for you because you were used to a certain style as a coach yourself and then do you do you have like yeah i think so in part is do you have like um do you find that you bring a lot of that to the table with your dog training clients because you have so much experience coaching athletes and students yeah so i think i like like it's it's early on in my you know, training career. And and I do this part-time because I I teach full-time. But I do think one of my strengths is like connecting with people and finding, Hey, this really works for this kid, but, but this kid learns completely different. So you have to be able to connect with them on different levels. So yeah, totally understandable with that. Um, And what you're saying about kind of like checking out at seminars and stuff. And I think part of that, I don't think I ever thought that originally, but now that you, you ask, the instructors were very much like, okay, this is what we're doing now. Take your dog, put them here. And then this is the motion. Okay. Practice. And it was never really explained why we were doing the things or how it would relate to other things or why we needed to teach our dog to lay on a towel that we brought. It's like, what, like, how does this relate? Yeah. Um, and I think it's also, and I just couldn't see it at the time. Yeah. And I, I was just saying, I think it's also hard too. Cause like Vinny says this to me a lot. Like um, he said a few times, like when we we're discussing like, Oh, you know, when I say this, like I, I sometimes don't realize because like, it's just like what I do. And yeah. I think that sometimes like for a dog owner, who's just in puppy class, they're there because they, like in their mind they think well this is what i have to do like like no one's even told them like some people might say oh you need to train your dog but like they don't even understand what that means a lot of time they just go and assume like okay i'm i'm here so you know what are we doing and they don't realize or picture like a skill can be used for maybe 10 other things in their life yeah and And i think Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I think some people in class were very much just like, okay, we're here, we're doing the thing. We go home and we're done and we're happy. And I, I wanted more and I wanted to understand that I wanted the explanation behind why and how. And 
I, I was less concerned with, um, well, your dog's butt is kicking out when you do the sit. And like, yeah, well, I'm not going to compete with my dog, so I don't give a shit. So like, tell me something that's useful, you know? <laughs> and yeah. I was very much just like, it, it was a lot of that stuff was like over my head at the beginning and it wasn't useful for me. And a lot of the people, it seemed like, I don't want to be that person, but it kind of seemed like, um, like very clicky. And like, if you were in it to compete, they paid attention and oh, they got a lot of focus. A, this was at a training, uh, this was at a facility you said like, a yeah. So they did like AKC okay, yeah. stuff. They okay. did rally and, and you could tell like who was, who were the competitors and who were not, but I was still like there and I was still doing the things it, so it just I, I don't know I kind of gave I don't want to say give me like the wrong vibe but a little bit mm-hmm. you know? it's hard to as from you know coming from a place where I've taught a lot of group classes I would either be coming back from a seminar or newly discovering something with my own dogs and I'd be so enthusiastic to like explain it to all my clients only to realize mm-hmm. that like they don't, they don't fucking care, care. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I would have like, cared they're not like something you said and, and I'm not like I'm not singling people out like I understand this like I, I always remind myself like I'm a dog trainer and, and my, a lot of my clients are not, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. What I'm saying is like, (laughs) they don't like, and I think it's totally fine too. Like I have a car, I like driving. And like, if my car breaks down, I don't want my mechanic to start like explaining to me, like why my engine is working. Like I'd, I'd tune it out. I'd be like, Oh my God, I don't even know. Um, Although I think having a living being like a dog, there should be some type of a requirement of you actually wanting to learn about what's going on in, in your dog in your dog's and mind children. it's not just like yeah and your children because it's not just like a car or like an object like it is a living thing yeah. but the reality yeah. is is like if you have an hour class and there's like 10 or 15 people with 10 or 15 different types of dogs that have different type of issues you know I've been there where I, I it is very robotic like lift your hand up here say the marker word reward yeah. and like you you don't even if you start trying to explain to every single person why they're individually doing it everyone's it's like crickets and everyone goes to sleep and they're like oh my god this guy just shut up and tell me what to do with my dog so like I think we're kind of getting into why I like to do group classes with with like clients that are already working with me privately or like at the school that I taught before I I opened I had my own business entirely we would always have at least a private session um, with people to kind of go over that other like the back end of the training so that when you are kind of just barking orders in class you've already explained to that person like this is why we're going to do this this is why we're going to do that um and then we would have like literal little like behavioral moments throughout class or i tried at the end of every drill to kind of explain like where is this gonna actually serve you in your in your life because i think that's what's hard for a lot of people even myself is like how do you take this skill that you're learning and then like apply it to like your actual day-to-day life not just like a training scenario like because you know there's training like that but that's not how we're training you know like us you know people that are training their dogs like us like I'm sure you guys are training your dogs all day long even when you're not in like a set training drill um so yeah sorry I kind of went went off on that but like defending group classes a little bit but then I also know for sure what you're talking about Um, yeah and I think because it is like that 
Yeah, I think if I would have started out, like, if I would have done a one-on-one with a trainer somewhere, I think I would have had a, a different experience, you know, but mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't. And I just tried to go from the beginning of the group class on through. And at a point it was just like, okay, well, this is just like, they're just making money off of me. Like I've taken nine classes and I'm still having some issues. Like what, what's going on. <clears throat> but I think that's, you know, in hindsight, like I'm glad I had those issues because it, it brought me to where I am now. But back then I just like wanted to beat my head off a wall, you know? <laughs> well, yeah. And I but think- I get that. Yeah. And I think what, like what we were saying before, and like to Vinny's point just a second ago, like it's more, I think sometimes like we all struggle with, we're teaching a skill, but you're trying to see like the bigger picture of where is that ending up or how can I utilize this for real in a real situation, you know, whether it's training or whether it's even just like basically like some sort of management strategy also like sometimes like even that for some clients is actually very hard when you're explaining something like well what does that look like in action when we do that you know and I think that it sounds like you're I think that's kind of what you're saying is like that's where I think the struggle was not that not that group classes are bad but that that's where the struggle was uh, like there was a piece missing that like like to connect the dots long-term. Yeah. And, and I've only taught a handful of group classes. I did them like every Sunday for a couple months in summer, but I remember feeling like, Oh, I can't get to everyone. And it was like a wake up call, you know, like, wow. Like I was really expecting like the sun and the moon and stars when I took group class, but it's a lot harder, you know, when you're up there and you're the one teaching it and, and trying to get to everyone and, this dog's having different issues than this one. So yeah, I get that. And, and I, I stopped doing group classes because I, I didn't, I didn't like that, um, that dynamic. Like I, I like the, the one-on-one stuff better. So kudos to you guys that are doing the group stuff. Cause that's yeah, and I like the, <laughs> I, I do like the one-on-ones better. I feel like group class is something to like aspire to. I don't, mm. I don't like so much when it's just like, we're pumping through group classes to like, like you're saying, like make money. Um, I feel like at times I've seen classes where there's a dog struggling and the trainer is managing that dog so that that dog could make it through their class, but not make that dog better. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Like almost like, oh, uh -oh, Fifi is coming in. Like we're going to have to like block this and do this and get her like this and it's like (laughs) the dog is actually going to be the same dog in four weeks like you're just you you as the trainer just managing that dog to deal with the hour it's in your class so that you don't have to deal with it and then that owner is going to go home in four weeks and have the same exact issues because you're actually not addressing it all because like really like what is sit down stay heal gonna really do it like those are just positional changes like or leash like what is that gonna do with like behavioral stuff or what's going on at the home or relationship problems or needs that that dog's not like having yeah. met so yeah, yeah oh man we could go i could probably this is like turning into a group class uh podcast we can go off on that uh, <laughs> i'll go off for, for hours on for this, it so. yeah <laughs> so yeah. i wanted to go back to something that you said actually initially um so it kind of sounded like you went from like being completely clueless to then doing some classes 
to then realizing that you wish you had known like a bunch of things like going back I wanted to kind of know like maybe what were some of those things that you wish you knew what do you think made like the biggest difference mm. that was my first question and then to add to that I'll try to stick to just two is have you found yourself like coming full circle on any issues where like you learned a little bit and you're like, Oh, like this is definitely what I wish I was doing. And then after a while you're like, actually, you know what? Like, was there anything that you were doing initially that you actually do see some benefit to? Um, initially, or were you just being wild? You were just no. I I was like I was Craigslist dogs man. and dog yeah. parks and like there were toys everywhere. It was like more toys, more food, better treats, like lots of cuddles. Mommy loves you. Like it was all better. You know why? So not? Maybe you like, need to come full circle because now that's kind of what I do. I just have toys everywhere. I give my dogs cuddles all the time. Well, okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Okay, I guess we could say that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, I'll see all the time, like, oh, mommy loves you. when you said mommy, couch, lo like... mommy loves you at that <laughs> <laughs> mommy loves you. Here's an extra yeah. egg garnish on top of your food. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh, you're not your eating. You didn't start egg you garnish. Didn't them with a spoon, did you? You didn't get to that point. Oh, man. Extra green, oh, man. Yeah, so, like, when, what, so what was, like, your, like, aha moment? Was it just, like, you were struggling? Like, I guess you were you were really put I'm assuming because of it sounds like your personality and, and what you you've done in the past I mean you're a coach you ran you started a CrossFit gym like you're doing this on top of working full-time it doesn't come across to me like you were a person that was doing the classes or the things you were doing initially half-ass it seems like you probably put the work in. you were doing it and you were doing it probably pretty pretty intensely but you realized I think you said that there was like something missing um mm -hmm. so I kind of wanted to get to that um like what do you feel could you boil down like what was that missing component and um yeah yeah so and I realize now like how much of a buzzword it is but back then it was like um relationship like my dogs had a shit ton of toys, but they didn't play with me with them. Mm -hmm. They played with them. They played by themselves. Um, and, and I want to say like, I back, back then I thought it was, Oh, when I learned to hand feed and I learned to get engagement and they made eye contact with me, that was like, it opened a whole new world for me. But then I think not, not even too long ago, maybe like a year year and a half ago uh, I got in and started watching all of Ivan's like cornerstone collection stuff and and then I was like oh oh wow this is like a whole nother level this is this makes what I thought I knew like nothing so I guess that's like kind of I'm kind of continually growing in that regards does that make sense yeah, no, that makes that a lot of sense. Answer, and, what you're asking. Yeah, and I think, you know, back to like what I was, I, I made the joke to you and then about like coming full circle. And I think it does matter like at what point you're at with your dog and your relationship because, and we've definitely touched on this before and talked about this, but I too 
used to like strictly do the like I'm gonna hide my dog's toys and I'm only gonna take them out yeah. on training and stuff like that. And yep. like with puppies, I, did that I, I definitely like with puppies, <laughs> I, I still will do that. But then mm-hmm. it gets to the point where if you do have the relationship and you do teach your dog how to play with you and you actually teach your dog to want to play with you, then you yeah. can believe it or not, like, go back to just leaving the toys <laughs> all over the place. Because then the dog is like, oh, I don't like care. Like if you don't, if you don't play well with your dog, then yeah, your dog's going to want to just play with a tennis ball by itself because it's like comparing it to nothing. But then if you teach your dog a really good game of tug, when that game of tug isn't happening and the tug toy is on the floor, it's just like, it's not even a toy at that point, right? Because it's like you get the dog into the game rather than the toy and the game, you know, has the relationship and the rules attached to it. Yeah. And I think, um, that exactly that happened with me and I I would say even like probably one of the the earliest mistakes I made was um, what I thought was teaching them off-leash freedom Um, on more times than I would like to admit um, my dogs ran up and they were oh no it's okay they're friendly like I was that person Um, oh my god end this podcast I know I know we need to, right? Um, and I remember at one point, some lady was like, you know, leash your dog. I was like, man, your dog's not friendly. Like it shouldn't be in public. And I can't believe I ever thought that. Yeah. Like, what the hell? But not like I realized there's so many people that do think like that. Like there's every dog is friendly. Like that was me at one point, you know, but giving them so much freedom because I had so much little time. I started with like a, a sport dog e-collar and was just using it as far as like, hey, emergency, like you you blew me off because you want to go see that dog on the other side of the field. So like, buzz, buzz, come back here. Um, and it was to the point where like, they would just go and they would run and they would run into the weeds and they would sniff and they would like hunt for whatever. And I didn't mean shit to them. And now like, I'll take them to the field and let them out of the car. They'll do a lap. And then Lucy's like right back at me, like, come on, throw the ball. Let's go. Let's play. And it's like night and day, you know? So, but it it was like for a while, then it was, okay, well, you can't have freedom. We we can't go. You're not allowed to do that because you're not going to pay attention to me and you need to be looking at me constantly. And now it's like, yeah, just go do whatever you want. Go chase the squirrels. That's fine. But like when I call you, you'll come back and you'll be excited to come back. So. So issue of freedom, a big issue, like in the house for you. As far as like they could do whatever they wanted. Yeah. 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 And then I realized like, cause it, at first I feel like the, the first layer of like finding any information online, it's like your dog has to earn your affection. Your dog has to look at you for everything. Your dog has to like, you have to be the best thing in the world. All good things have to come from you. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well that's not happening. Like I can't look at you. I can't talk to you. I can't pet you for two weeks. And, um, that was like the, the company that I was apprenticing for, they were like big on that. I was like, "Mm." and I just started to keep thinking like, something's not adding up. And I was doing that and I wasn't really seeing great results. And I just kept digging and trying to do more research and find out more. Um, but yeah, they were, they were pretty much allowed to do whatever they wanted in the house. (laughs) Like one of the things that we were talking about was like the dog bed. So like, did you, 
when you were having the issues, uh, did you jump to, oh, okay, well, like I should be teaching them the dog pad and they need to like basically be there all the time. And, and, um, like, this is how you earn X, Y, or Z, or this is what, you know, you do this and then you get to do the next thing or whatever, like. So at first when, when I started using the, the place cots and stuff, it was more like, okay, I think before that, the only type of like mental enrichment or like stimulation, whatever you want to call it, they got was like a, a filled frozen Kong, which the company I apprenticed for was, was very big on. And it was like the first session with everyone was frozen Kong, filled Kong. I'm like, that's not going to fix shit after a while, you know, like that's all you're, that's all you're telling them. And then you're just doing obedience. So like, what is going on here actually? But, um, so then it was like, Oh yeah, place like hold this position, work on impulse control. And it did make such a big difference to me. I was like, that's the answer. You just put your dog on place for 20, 30 minutes a day and make him stay there. And it's great. And it, it, it was great because they weren't getting anything before, you know? So. And then what <laughs> made you change that? I guess what made that change from like, Oh yeah. You know what? The dog bed is not the end all be all like, and maybe I am kind of creating a dog who's becoming at times, maybe more like almost like agitated, like, Oh my God, when, when are you going to let me off? When are you going to let me off type of thing? Yeah. And, and like very, um, micromanaged yeah i found myself like constantly on them like do this do that do that no go over here no go over there like like man this this is exhausting for me like it's nice when i want to sit on the couch and eat dinner and watch tv you can go hold place for 30 minutes but there's got to be i got to be something else there's got to be there's got to be a better way um and i i think probably not too much longer i think I, i started seeing um, people using play with obedience, but more so like, okay, sit. Okay. Now you can tug on the ball for a second. Okay. Now down. Okay. Now you can tug on the ball for a second. I was like, well, that doesn't, it seems more fun, but it doesn't seem like the dog's really enjoying it. They're just more transactional. Um, and then I think I stumbled upon either like a, a 30 day play challenge online or, found Ivan's stuff somewhere around there and and then realized there was like this whole other world. So like with the dog bed, I just want to go back to that for a sec, just in general, like where you are, where you are with that, with clients or like what you like to do. So for example, for me, like it is a skill I'll teach generally right away, like with a puppy, but it's more that like, it's not even that I'm teaching them like I'm not shaping, I'm not necessarily shaping them right away where I'm doing a session, you know, where I'm just like shaping them to sit or down on it, you know, releasing them, having them come back. What I'm generally doing is look, here's an amazing bone, you annoying puppy that's biting everything. Come over here. here. (laughs) I don't care if the puppy like sits, lies down or just stands on the bed. And I honestly don't even care if the puppy grabs the bone or the Kong for me and then goes somewhere else to chew it. But I want that puppy learning like over time that with it, you know, within the first week, the puppy is learning like that. Everything amazing is coming from that spot. 
And then most puppies end up just like lying there, hanging out, chewing. And Mm -hmm. I always find that to be effective right away, especially for dog owners that are very, uh, that get very annoyed with like, or have a, like their one strict rule is I don't want the dog bothering me when I'm eating dinner or jumping at the counter. So for me, like right away, okay, we're going to teach the puppy to be over here and chew on its thing while mom's cooking or while the family is, is eating. And it doesn't necessarily need to involve like these heavy drill sessions, or you must stay there for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It's just something that like, you're just hanging out and this might be a cool place to chill. Cause like I'm in here in my office right now and I have dog beds on both sides of me and my dogs are just chilling here. And I mean, I'm not using, I'm not using bones anymore to have them go there. It's just like they yes. just to going there. They prefer going there. I mean, they're welcome and free to do whatever the hell they want. They could go on, on the couch. They could go on my bed and they're choosing to go there on their own. I mean, it's not that they don't choose to do other things. Um, yeah. I'm just kind of curious, like, I guess what has, like from where you started with that, what is evolved? Cause I think that's like a, a skill or something that a lot of trainers are in the beginning. Like they kind of look at, like, there's those skills that everyone looks at, like, Oh, those are the skills. Those are the things that we have to do. Mm-hmm. So up until probably just like earlier this month, I had a situation where like the, a six month old puppy was like really starting to resource resource guard like a, a peanut butter filled bone um so up until then I, I was using place more so of more so like how it helped me early on just with impulse control because a lot of the dogs I see are just they're under fulfilled and overly excited um, and they're just younger dogs that no one's really worked with um but but I have recently just started kind of shifting gears to go here this is the really great place not as much of you have to stay here the goal is 10 minutes by the end of the week the goal is 30 minutes by the end of week three or or whatever um and i'm (laughs) i think i was talking to uh, a friend of mine and and she she mentioned something i was like why did i not think to do that sooner and um, I, I've kind of stopped ever since I've kind of dipped my toe into some Ivan stuff. I've stepped away from place a lot. Mm. So it's been a while since I've taught some clients, Hey, you, you need this elevated place bed, like because X, Y, Z. And just recently taught this one lesson, but it was like, like you had kind of explained it the best thing ever. And then she sent me a message the next day, like, Hey, we're out doing yard work. And she just crawled up on this and she's just hanging out here. I'm like, that's awesome. That's perfect. Not because you, you tied her off there, not because she's doing tethered decompression on a place cot for three hours, but like, she just feels comfortable there and she just is gonna, gonna hang out. Yeah. Maybe prefers to actually be with her people as opposed to not that a dog that doesn't want to be with you at that time that doesn't mean anything but i'm just saying yeah. like maybe the dog actually just prefers yeah yeah what do you guys yeah, think I about think... um oh sorry no no god because i'm i'm thinking about this myself and how i use it 
I feel like something I've been thinking about a lot lately with, with my dog, um, like the emotional states that are attached to different behaviors. Um, even if those behaviors are the same, but I might cue them differently. Does that make sense? Can you give an example. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so like, so, so say um, I'm in a, in a bedroom and there's only a cot on the floor and I'm sitting at a computer chair and I tell my dog enough, which means I'm not going to play with you anymore. I'm not giving you treats anymore. I don't want you to bother me anymore. And then I just go on my computer. Like right now I'm sitting here doing a podcast with you guys. And then my dog goes over to their, their bed and they lay down on it. So like, that's what that would look like. So I say enough, the dog knows like, okay, like this is low, low, low arousal. Vinny is not doing anything. There's no treats. If my dog goes over to his bed, I'm not going to give him a bone. I'm not going to give him, I'm not going to give him a cookie. Cause again, like once I start doing that, that consequence can start. Yeah. Attributing like an arousal state to that behavior. Yeah. So I actually prefer to teach a word that means you're not getting shit. You're not getting anything. Um, there's nothing in it for you. You just, you just got to go over there and do that thing. Um, but then another scenario where it's the same exact behavior, different arousal level is I order a pizza. The pizza guy comes to my house. I'm in the same exact room. I say place and I, I point at the same bed. Now that means... You have to go to your bed right now and stay there. And you could be excited because when I get the pizza, I'm going to break off a piece of the crust and I'm going to come back and I'm going to feed you that crust on the bed. And I don't give a shit if you get super excited about that because by the time I give you the treat, the pizza guy is gone and then I'm going to release you off of the bed. And then if I want to, I could tell you, hey, enough and then sit down again. You know what I mean? So now it's like two different scenarios, same behavior pretty much, but then there's like different or like the emotional state is different. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, yeah, I yeah. understand what you're saying, but I also like, so is it, are you asking partially because you're asking like, depending on what's going on in the environment or the situation? Because yeah, like, like, I, I think was you thinking, can, I was I, thinking I think about it's... this today with, uh, I was thinking about this today with like, heel, like a, the formal heel and a casual heel and like her formal heel, she's getting, yeah. I sent you the video. She's like really fired up and crazy. And then if I did a casual heel, it wouldn't be so. It depends. Nuts. Like if the casual, if a casual heel is like a different behavior though. Um, so like, but I'm trying to think, well, but so, so like what I'm saying is place, like not, isn't, isn't the place and the relaxation thing where you're saying, even though it's sort of similar, it is different because enough doesn't, uh, from what I understand, you're saying enough does not mean, it means Vinny is not engaging with you at this time. It doesn't mean that you need to go to the bed. The dog chose to go there. Yeah, but then that's where like I set up, that's but the way I teach it. Yeah, but the, but the way that I'm teaching it is different in that, like I'm setting up, especially in the beginning, like the, the environment is being set up such that the the cot is like the only thing available like the dog is gonna go over to that cot and again if they don't like right now my like zim is right here on the floor laying down because i don't really care so like it's kind of weird for me to like i'm using this as an example but me personally i don't even really care like when i tell my dogs to chill like right now they're just they're yeah. both snoring like baloo's over there on the couch and he's on the floor so like that's fine 
Um, so can I interrupt for a second? Yeah, yeah, of course. So like, how did you use place at one point to be like, okay, enough, and then go here and chill? Or like, how did you... No, because like, how'd like, you bridge so, that gap? so again, it's not the way, because I think we're like, we're focusing on the words. Like once okay. I say place for like, depending on how I teach a thing, it's like contingent on what the outcomes are going to be. Right. So like if I used food or toys to get you to place now, that word place is going to be influenced by whatever rewards I'm using to teach that unless I like fade it out completely. But then at that point, now I'm like changing the way that that dog is thinking about it. Like if I, te- if I teach a dog to go to the place a hundred times with cookies and then all of a sudden one day I just stop giving cookies. Now I have a dog that's on the place expecting cookies. And now I yeah. can either like c- slowly drain that dog out to where they're like going to wait super long for a cookie. Like they're sitting there on the place drooling like, when's my next cookie? And I think, mm. unfortunately, this is what a lot of people are doing. They're, like, shaping a sense. dog to go to a place, and they're giving them a cookie, and then they're giving them a cookie again. And they'll say things like, oh, like, I don't need to f- fade out treats. And, like, I, I don't, like, you should keep paying your dog. And, like, that's all fine. Like, I don't care if you're doing that. But what, what you're doing is you're telling that dog, like, go to that place because I'm going to pay you. Which I'm saying right. I do sometimes, but when I'm doing that, I say a word like place. And what I'm also yeah. saying is I don't do that often because if mm-hmm. I am doing that, it's short term. It's my doorbell rings and I want you to do it. It's I drop ibuprofen on the floor and I don't want you to eat it. So I say, go to your place. So what I'm trying to mm-hmm. say is like, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and be like, I don't teach place. Cause like I do teach place, but like where yeah. I'm using it is like, I, don't, I couldn't even tell you the last time I've actually told one of my dog's place, right? Like, cause I just don't really use it a lot, but I taught it to them. If, if like two dogs in a household are, are going to start fighting and you want to send one to one place and one to the other place, like that's another situation. But like, if you're teaching place with food or toys or reinforcement, and then you try to send your dog to place and then you're eating dinner for 30 minutes, in order to do that successfully, you either have to get the dog to just like habituate and then be like, oh, fuck it. I'll just lay here on the place and not move. Or you have to build up a dog. Like, this is what I did with Baloo. And I honestly, looking back on it, and this is why I sometimes talk negatively about, like, strictly reinforcement-based training with food, not because I don't want to use food, because, like, I made him go to a place and literally built up, you know, through reinforcement schedules of, like, a 30-minute downstay on a place for a But he knew it was coming. And he's sitting there in a state of, like, when will it be? When will it be? Yeah. Versus if I did just tether him and say, hey, dude, guess what? Now I'm going to call this one spot. And it's going to be the same behavior type of looking thing. But you know what? There is no cookie at the end of this. Maybe I'm just going to use leash pressure to yeah. get you to your bed. And if you get up, I'm going to say, no, you have to go back to your spot. And now this behavior is contingent on a whole different, like it might be a negative reinforcement thing of like, you have to stay there. Otherwise this, and you can, instead of it just sounding mean, like, that dog theoretically if it's a hyper dog or a dog that is very aroused might have a lower arousal level because they're not sitting there like i can't wait for the cookie i can't wait for the cookie so yeah oh go ahead jordan uh no 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 go for it so what i was gonna say uh so two things and i honestly don't even remember your question now as like we're talking oh we're beyond the questions now yeah so so first of all like that's why i was saying like for me when i teach this with puppies like quest didn't know i didn't even teach her a word like 
her uh her word is now her phrase is now park it to go to her bed so i didn't teach that for months like it just became like at dinner time when i'm sitting at the table i'm gonna bring you over to the bed i'm gonna show you like that i have the bone you're gonna lay there and that's it and then um i think initially i had maybe the bed sort of like near me and then over time i moved it further away and she would just hang out there and it wasn't a big deal and then at some point i just removed like the bone and she would just start she just started going there you know automatically on her own i was not rewarding her with food because i didn't want her to get all it like, just like became a chill out spot yeah, it yeah. and it, and it well show. and it became like whenever I sat at the table if she was going to hang out with me that's where she chose that's where she was going because it just was something that it just became a pattern that we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um so that's the first thing. The second thing that I was going to say um my example before at least from what you're saying about like place versus just chilling. My example before at the heel or a casual heel I kind of feel is like I think we're kind of saying the same thing is that based on like, yeah, the criteria, the criterias are similar. It might not be a hundred percent the same, like your criteria for your place might be a little different than whatever it is you're using it for whatever else, like just chilling out. Like, cause when the doorbell rings and the pizza guy comes and you're saying place from what you were describing, it sounds like the dog is a little bit more amped up, a little more jacked up as opposed like, cause they're anticipating something. And I was thinking, that's why I was giving the example about the heel. I think that in a way, maybe the dog's anticipating something, right? Like when you're doing maybe your formal heel versus like, like you're with me, for example, is more casual. It doesn't involve food. It doesn't involve a reward. So the criteria, that, yeah, yeah. the criteria is slightly different, but really the dog's state of mind is what's really different. And it's all- and that, but what I'm saying is the state of mind can change based on the reward. So yes. like you have to be oh, careful yes. or the lack of the reward. So like yes, sometimes it's That's beneficial to yeah. like intentionally not use rewards Yes, to yeah. actually keep a dog calmer. Yes. That's why, so, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's- Go ahead, Jordan. I would say that's, that's one big difference between my coon hand, Lucy. I taught her place with food and, you know, stay there and I'll pay you all the time. And then um, my fiance, we got, we have like a year and a half old black lab puppy. She's a maniac, but uh, she's a blast. She is going to be a bird dog. He takes her hunting um, and he uses like a little wooden box for his place. And, and I remember him and I kind of arguing. I was like, well, you like, you have to teach her that it's a good place to be. Like you have to reinforce her somehow. He's like, well, I don't really want to do that. I can't do it hunting, whatever. So um I remember just saying like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. We'll, we'll try it that way. Like I haven't tried it that way yet. And we didn't use food. Sometimes we did, but a lot of times we didn't with her and you can definitely tell a difference between the two. Um, and wow. and it's, it's one thing now that you kind of say you, you word it that way. Like it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, now, do you think that's also because like there's something chained to that? So the dog is in that box mm. waiting and uh, awaiting the bird or whatever, whether they're flushing the bird, whether they're going to go retrieve the bird, whatever the dog's particular job is. So the dog may be learning through uh, because maybe it's sort of like something is the dog's anticipating 
whatever's going to come next? Uh, I don't think yet because she hasn't hunted that much yet. Okay. Um, but eventually it will. But I think in that in that case, it'll be a different context. It'll be a different picture. And I, I think it'll be different enough that, you know, she won't be sitting in the kitchen on her place bed going, oh, my God, where's the bird? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> jacked up for that. Um, but But I will say, like, since I've stopped rewarding on place so much and and I, I should go back and say like the summer I started my business I like reached out I had a friend through college and and he put me in contact with Heather down in Florida she has um everyday canine she's in St. Petersburg and they have like it, it's dog city everywhere like everywhere is dog friendly there she runs a, a stellar group class all of her group class is is basically centered around bring your dogs out in public teach them just to till just to chill um don't use food don't pay them we're not we're not luring we're not we're just kind of hanging out um and gosh now i forget where i was going with this <laughs> well I think, I think um yeah you were saying that how you were you're try you were uh starting to reduce the amount of use for food on a bed yeah, yeah. um and I, I do see like a difference when they they kind of choose it to go relax a little bit more. They aren't constantly like there, there were other times where I knew I was cooking. Lucy was at my feet. I've given her stuff from the counter before. She's like, hey, can I have something, you know? And then it's, well, oh, she took a step this way. Oh, she must want me to go to my place bed. And then she would boom into a down and look at me yeah. like, is that yeah. the thing? It looked kind of like you have said about Baloo in the past and and that has kind of fizzled away the more you know I've faded out the the food on place so I I like that it's also important to say that I and I mean you guys could disagree with me and that's fine but (laughs) I'm ready I disagree with you already (laughs) I'm used to that so I think I think it's also important to say that it's also going to depend on like who the individual dog is too, because like, Oh yeah. And the client, a dog like journey, for example, like, I mean, food is whatever to him. So it never really created this little like adrenaline junkie or like someone getting agitated. But I knew, I knew that quest was going to be that way at a young age, partially because I knew like the litter she came from. I I knew like the lineage because I had, I go to herding lessons at that place. So I know the dogs and I knew that she was going to be a dog that I couldn't do those things with. And she's got that personality that she would do that stuff. Just like, kind of like what you're saying about Baloo. So, you know, there are obviously, I think there are definitely dogs out there that are not going to care. Like journey just doesn't, it's not his thing. You know, like he's not, it's not going to create a, an adrenaline junkie because he's like, whatever about food, half the time will turn away from it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like if you're doing this and it's not a problem, it's not a problem. But if you have a dog, like she was describing her dogs in the beginning yeah. of like super wild and super yeah. going, going, going and athletes. And then you start doing like a bunch of this stuff. Like you're just gonna, it's like pouring gasoline on a fire, yeah. Yep. you know, like, and then That's you true. have to be yeah you have to be careful there mindful of that yeah 
<laughs> you know, he, even like so, like right now, smiled. Like, he had that evil so, smile. Yeah, yeah. About, so I'm thinking about like right now with my with my puppy with with Zim. Another example of like the same behavior technically, but like done at different, like in different emotional states depending on what I say. So if I go up to his crate and I open the door and I just say free, he comes out of the crate so fast that like the crate moves and like slams into the wall behind the crate. Like it's explosive. <laughs> like he explodes out. Mm. Well, why? Because most of the time when I'm telling him just free, it means I'm not doing anything with him. I'm just letting him do whatever he wants. And whatever he wants is generally I put him right into the yard to play with his brother Spencer. So the word free almost started literally meaning to him Okay. Go to the yard and play fucking WWF with rest with uh, with Spencer. <laughs> so now yeah. he's coming out of the crate with the intensity he has for the love he has for playing with Spencer, to the yeah. point that I was like, well, like I need to do something about this because he's literally going to put a hole in the wall. Like he's coming out so hard, it's wild. And what did you decide? And to do? So a few different things I'm messing around with. One is. I'm no, I no longer release him directly from the crate and put him directly in the yard. So like, that's one thing I do. I release him out of the crate. And then I just, because the other thing too, is like, he's so internal. Like people will say like, Oh, wait at the crate until the dog is calm. He'll be like dead. Like he'll, you won't even, if someone was watching, be like, Oh yeah, that's like the calmest Malinois ever. Like, and then he'll just be like <laughs> stiff, no move. Like, but it, I mean, if you know dogs, you know, he's not calm. Like he's just like so stiff. And then you once you tell him free, it's just like, it's literally like a cannon just blows. So the one thing that I'm doing is no more releasing him and then going straight to the yard. And then the other thing that I do, and it's, it's good for Spencer too, because also Spencer, like, what do you think starts happening with Spencer when he hears me? Hmm. I would go to the crate door and Spencer would literally start coming over and like getting in between me and the crate. I was like, you need to get this motherfucker out of here. It's time to go. Like, I want him so first. Now, let's yeah, go. Yeah, like, like, let's fucking do it, right? <laughs> so now it's like, I, I'll, like, put Spencer in a room behind a baby gate while I take Zim out of his crate, but then I don't go anywhere. Like, that's that's one thing that I'm doing. But then, believe it or not, and, and I've been meaning to get a video of this for, um, for Instagram because it is a really good, like, it, it shows it really well. So if I am dressed up for training, like, if I'm dressed and I have a book bag on and I grab my leash and my keys and I go over to the door and I open it, he comes out like slow as shit and goes right to my side and lets me leash him up. And then like, cause yeah. when he's I'm no, doing that, yeah. Yeah. Now people will say, and I don't think that they're wrong that like I'm surprised his behavior is maybe suppressed. Cause like it is more suppressed when I have a leash on him. I'm not just letting him fly out of the house and he doesn't, he doesn't wrestle with Spencer when he has a leash on, he doesn't do all that stuff. Um, so he comes out totally different. So he's coming out of the crate. Like it's still him coming through the crate, but like the way he's coming out of the crate, you would think it was two different dogs. If I took one video and then I took another video right after and like lied and was like, Oh, this is the before and after video of like after three weeks of a board and train, you would think I was like an amazing trainer, but it, it would happen like 30 seconds apart. I have a question. Are you saying that uh, people might think uh, that it's, that maybe you're suppressing the dog's behavior once the leash is on or because you have now walked in with the leash in hand. Yeah. I mean, he just sees me holding the leash and he acts different. So I don't, I, I don't think I like, I don't know why someone would say it's suppressed. I think that 
he's obviously no he obviously reads the room and he's able to tell like to anticipate oh the leash is the signal for this because you're not using yeah you could say you could say that but i do think that there is some control like i'm not yeah there is i'm not scared to say that like i think he knows that when i'm holding the leash like i'm going to control his behavior um and then where you want to say that the control is being derived from like i don't know like you know i don't want to i'm just saying i'm sure some people would say like oh like you are putting some control over him which like i am like i'm not gonna lie like yeah i am and yeah. if you'd like to try not, like, come to my house and I'd love, I'll I pay mean, you it, to take him and yeah. have fun <laughs> just well, so I can watch that. Well, I'm having, having some control, over, but I also think that's because, I, but I also think that's because, like, it's it's a different scenario than, like, just you walking in without that stuff and Spencer's coming in between or Spencer hears yeah. you. And yeah, that's the cool thing. That's cool thing. And, like, so, like, I think of it as a good thing. Like, I, I don't, like, yes, I, I agree with like, you. like what, I, what, what I think would be messed up is if, the dog always was one of those things. And that's why I'm, this is where I'm getting to and circling back to what we were talking about before is like, I think that if every time he came out of the crate, he was flying out and mashing the wall with the crate and was crazy cranked up all the time, that that would be an issue. I also think it would be an issue if every single time I opened up my crate, my dog was slinking out and shut down and scared. What I like is that I can literally have the best of both worlds. Like I can open my crate door and let the cannonball fly out and he'll crash into the wall. And like, I, there are a lot of times that I don't care. Most it's like 80% of the time. I don't give a shit. Like be wild. We talked yeah. about this a little bit with yeah. Brian Fleming with like the chaos stuff, like, like be chaos. Love like there that. is a lot yeah. of chaos in my house. Like We're I'm not going to lie to you and pretend like there's not like there is controlled yeah. chaos here, but, yeah. but then I can also say, Hey dude, now is not the time for that. I'm leashing you up. We have to go to training or we're going to go out into the yard and do something else. And like, I'm also not shutting my dog down infinitely. Like what we were talking about with the place, which is like, I'm just going to flatten this dog out. Helplessness. And like, yeah. as soon like every time he comes out of the crate, he's on a slip lead and you're going to immediately come out right to a place cot. And I'm going to wait 30 minutes before I then take you on a structured walk where I never even let you do anything. And then maybe I'll let you pee once. And then I bring you back into the house and put you back on the place cot to structure you down. And then I bring you into the crate and then I repeat that. Like Mm -hmm. I can see why maybe a client that doesn't have time to train their dog or, or, you know, like would almost want that. Cause then you just have this flat dog, but like I got a Belgian Malinois, like I want him to be crazy. And I think it would be kind of messed up if I got one. So like, be like, I'm going to flatten this dog out into nothing. Like I should have gotten a different dog. Sometimes I think it's wild that like, some clients don't have they don't have problems with that but if you say like well let's try a prong collar because your dog's 120 pounds and you're like 80 pounds they have a a a problem with that but it's like you don't have a problem with a flat dog that has no emotion that has no excitement for anything Hmm. i don't know yeah it's like the physical pain versus like the emotional stuff which i've been thinking about a lot lately yeah I know what you mean it's maybe it's a little bit of like what we were talking about I think you even admitted in the beginning of like not really fully seeing the emotional side Mm -hmm. like it's really hard at first to start learning dog body language and seeing different emotional states in dogs and like it takes time like there are people that are experts in that and they could write books on it but it's like super easy to see a dog with a prong collar on getting like a really unfair correction and be like, oh, wow, like that's painful. But like you yeah. watch a movie that has a dog in it 
And like, you're like, oh, that's cute. But then as a dog trainer, you're watching, you're like, oh my God, that dog is stressed and doesn't want to be there. You know, and it kind of ruins, it like ruins yeah. things for you. So I don't know if maybe that's it. Um, but yeah, I think about that a lot too, because I, you know, I see that there's always, and I'm not condoning like any type of physical harm towards dogs, but like the physical stuff is always like blown up and which it should be when it's like, you know, over the top um, mm -hmm. and abusive. But we often overlook years of emotional trauma that a dog might be going through, for example, like in your in your situation. So say you have someone that's 80 years old with a 120 pound dog and either they put a prong collar on their dog and then can walk their dog every single day and give that dog walks or they go, you know what, I can't even take my dog out anymore. I'm just going to like let it rot in the back room and stare out yeah. a window. Yeah, I mean, that's an ethical question, but yeah um yeah not to turn this into that but just made me think it's always it's always turns to that eventually no i was i was just saying i think that also uh to your point i think also it's people and we're all guilty of this uh speak for yourself anthony uh, I am speaking for me and for you, you asshole. So, like, we're, we're all like guilty of it. Where, like, notice sometimes, uh, like, I was just telling Vinny, I had a client who wanted me to show her how to walk her dog. And I was, I said, okay, show me how you walk and everything. And, like, the she let the dog out. Uh, like, she had a 15 foot line, and the dog was out almost the entire way. And the dog started pulling while the dog is like almost 15 feet out. And then she yanks the dog all the way back. And I'm like, oh, it was like really intense. Like, what was that for? And she was like, well, he was pulling. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, so yeah. I start like, I start like giving her some ground rules and try to clean everything up. And then we went back to the house and I said, you know, like we could teach leash pressure as one of the things if we want to maybe teach like the leash skills a little bit better as one of the options. And we started doing it and the owner didn't like it. And she was like, I feel like, you know, the dog doesn't like it. And um, I don't like the way it makes me feel doing it. And so I said, I said, but you yanked the, I said, the only reason I'm showing you this is because I would prefer you to, teach your dog that this maybe is now a cue rather than you having to yank the dog all the way into you. Like, I mean, the dog's front feet were off of the pavement when she <laughs> yanked the dog. And she said, you know, I honestly never, I honestly didn't realize I was doing that uh, until you pointed it out. And so I think sometimes that that might be part of like, to your point that some people just they don't realize until you're pointing it out or until you bring yeah. it up. So like when you talk about like um, uh, the tool versus uh, the, the crate thing, I think is what you, you gave the example uh, where like, you know, one, the person would rather not use a tool, but is okay when the dog like shoots out of the crate flat. and barrels through the house, mm -hmm. you know, and that's where, you know, so it's like, I think sometimes it's, it's that like people just don't see certain things. And then also some people have a tolerance level for certain things and not others for whatever the reason, like some things might bother one person, but for whatever reason, it doesn't bother another, you know, another. Yeah. Are you guys finding that um, 
a lot of that stuff is connected to like the human and their issues. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I, let, let me, let me start. I should have started right by there. this. We'll, we'll come back to that in a second, but like the whole thing that started this like out of control spiral with me and like letting the dogs do whatever the hell they wanted was when, when my ex and I were in the car to drive, to go get Duke from the shelter, I, he has a video of me and I'm like too embarrassed to ask for it. So it doesn't go anywhere else, but I'm like bawling my eyes out because I so badly, I think I wasn't fulfilled in that relationship that I so badly wanted something to take care of. I needed like something to make me feel like I was needed. And man, like the, the, the emotional baggage that I had to unpack, like going through his whole first like three years, holy shit. Like if I could just, if I could just like pause time, speak dog real quick and say like, Hey, if I can't tell you anything else in, in your lifetime, like, I'm sorry, man. (laughs) I don't know. Do you guys find that like with the, and how do you navigate that with, with people? Like you can't just say like, Oh, you have a bunch of shit you got to work through, huh? (laughs) You know, (laughs) That would be the easy way, wouldn't it? Right, <laughs> yeah. Um uh I yeah, that's a hard one. Um I would say uh <laughs> this is I want to hear this. I'm this waiting. To, I'm I don't so want excited. this to come across Here we the go. way. Here we go. It's gonna be your way. No, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fine, Garnish boy. Oh, someone's uh, gonna be mad about it. Let us so I think that generally the people who are emotional or get emotional easily or going through something, I generally find that they that stuff, yes, does spill over into whatever it is with their dog or whatever or other things in life. But I think they are also usually a little too open about those things and they end up saying it. At least that's what I find. So I I find that a lot of people sometimes that are a little emotional, whether it's because something traumatic happened in their life or they're going through just something stressful in life, uh, I find that they overshare. And so you'll ask them a question (laughs) in the consult and then they start oversharing things. And I think sometimes you can unfortunately use that to your advantage as the trainer because well you just overshared you know this that and the other thing and it sounds like you're going through this stuff and maybe it's affecting blah 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 with your dog you know um and you can kind of connect the dots because sometimes it's kind of obvious you know (laughs) so i think i think like that's one way i go about it that i find uh, but again, I, I, again, like those, I find that's like when like the people are really going through something that they're oversharing that that's where like, you can like, you could see, oh yeah, you know what, like your anxieties or things that are going on in your life are affecting like the connection or relationship or daily uh, quality of life for your dog too. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to remember that your emotions are not your dog's emotions and then that doesn't matter whether 
maybe if you're like an emotional person or an anxious person or maybe the far end of the spectrum on the other because I find that you can have you can have the opposite problem where you have someone that's never anxious doesn't even know what anxiety is mm-hmm. right these are just like super tough people and then they get a dog that might have anxiety and it's like they don't even know what what do you mean it doesn't have anxiety I'm gonna go drag him down the street and like he'll get over it so you have that extreme yes. and then you have the the complete opposite extreme where maybe they're super anxious and they have a dog that's not anxious at all. <laughs> and like, they're even, they're like attributing the dog's behavior. Oh, he must be anxious. Meanwhile, their dog is like super confident and like ready to scrap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so there's one is like, I find that there are some people that kind of like place their emotions or their feelings on their dog as if their dogs are having the same exact ones that they would have. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think this is somewhat different and maybe more of what you were talking about is like, if a person has is going through something emotional uh, or or psychological on their end it could certainly affect how they're able to like care for their dogs and yes. and deal with stuff so like i think those are like two maybe separate yeah, issues like, but yeah the emotional like side of things yeah i like that because there are i i know exactly like there are some clients that i've worked with or that i work with now that like they feel that the dog is anxious and it's just, no, the dog actually, actually isn't. The dog is yeah. like really scrappy, wants to play, you know, doesn't get enough uh, outlets, uh, necessary outlets mentally or physically for itself as the dog that it is. And people, um, I think sometimes like you're saying, bring their things into that. And that isn't, like anything about like the dog. And what's what's interesting too is because dogs can serve to be super helpful, at least for me, psychologically in terms of my mental health, right? Like my dogs keep me active on days that I don't really feel like doing anything. They they keep me social when I go out with them to places. Um if I'm bored or lonely or feeling down, like seeing them could make me feel better on that day. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be, I'm trying to think if I like reworded it to like making a friend instead of like getting a dog. I think if like I had a bad day at work and I was depressed and then I like met Anthony for the first time and then I went home and I was like, I think I'm going to like be friends with Anthony because I'm depressed and like I want him to fix that. Like that would be a little, I don't know, that like, be. That would be like a strange <laughs> dynamic to start but off with. But it's never like, but you, you know, like, but like with a dog, yeah. you'd be like, oh, like, I think it gets to like, why, like, why are you getting a dog? And then it's like, I'm not trying to say that I'm above like having a reason to get a dog because then if I didn't have a reason, like, why would I have got one in the first place? So like, I'm probably like, yeah. I'm definitely guilty of this in some way anyway, because like I chose to bring a dog into my house, but like, right. it's like weird to to it to me to get a dog to like serve you at some like emotional i don't know maybe it's not do you know what i'm saying because like this might even is a so i think that's really common though oh yeah it's super common like i'm even saying i'm i mean i'm probably guilty of it myself like i'm like (laughs) oh yeah like like, i'm three dogs guilty yeah i mean you just kept getting a dog after a dog no i'm kidding Uh, but like but it's like any person that's getting a dog is get, is like they do want companionship and friendship and like and I think that's okay. 
But then when it gets to a point of like, I'm, I'm broken and there's something maybe I need to deal with, but like, I don't want to deal with it. And like, I don't, and, and like, not that it's, it's wrong to ask for help because that's not what I'm saying, but like, I'm going to try to fill this void with another being and then disregard that being's own emotions to fix the issues that I have. Cause maybe you got a dog because like you wanted to have a dog that was going to help you with, with anxiety or depression. And then maybe that dog is super anxious. And then now you're like, well, this dog needs to come with me to Starbucks because like I'm anxious here, mm-hmm. you know? And now you're like using this dog as like a way to cope with your own stuff. But then you're like throwing that living being under the bus. Is that- yeah, yeah, yeah. Anthony, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You help me out yeah, here because I'm, yeah, I'm, no. I'm like trying to talk myself off of the cliff right now. Following. I'm trying to <laughs> make sure I'm not jump, coming across jump, the wrong way. Jump I'm not coming across the wrong way. Does, but does this, does this sound like it's yeah. somewhat? Yeah. yeah, I mean, basically, what yeah, basically what you're saying is that you're trying. If like that, it's an issue when someone maybe gets a dog to try and fill like some emptiness, whether that means they're depressed or they uh, broke up with someone in a relationship or they lost very common one. They lost their other dog. Mm -hmm. And then that dog is not what they signed up for or what they were picturing because maybe now that dog is super anxious or uh, a common one that I see, I think you probably see it too is, Ooh, the dog has way more energy than I thought. Like I just wanted, you know, that dog over there that lies down and hangs with the family and this dog needs to go hiking every day and you know whatever and now like they can't meet that dog's needs either mentally physically or the dog is too anxious and they're not um helping that dog the way it needs to be like i know like one thing and this actually now is like this thing this the one thing that gets like me really fired up with with some dogs that are anxious is people want to bring their dogs everywhere in public. Like they just want to drag their dog around. Like it's like, you know, they just want to drag the dog around into a store or to, you know, a, a, a restaurant and the dog doesn't even want to be there. And they're like, we need to fix this. No, (laughs) you don't need to fix it. What you need to do is be there for your dog and help your dog with the things that's dealing with. You don't need to fix. The problem is not is not going to the fucking restaurant and the dog doesn't like it or the dog is growling at other dogs or other people passing that that are trying to pet it. That's not what the problem is. The problem really is is that maybe the dog is anxious and you're not, you know, putting the time or effort in to actually address like the actual cause. You know, yeah. so like so, I, I now now that you got me fired up, and I think that's kind of what you were. I think he's getting mad. I think it's time to cut it off now. I want Anthony to go to bed angry. I want to just stare at the ceiling, like just stare at the this. ceiling for an hour. He's all fired up. Are texting Vinny and staring at the ceiling? At that's the my ceiling. favorite thing. If I have something that I know is gonna get him fired up, I, I wait until I like around you know what like he does? o'clock. Yeah, he, this is what he does. What's he knows lady? me so well, so he'll text me late. So now, what I sometimes do, <laughs> I either ignore it, or if it's a video, I won't watch it until the morning. Yeah, until the morning, so you can sleep. <laughs> it's not on my mind. That's so funny. It's this so kid, good. This kid, I love it. 
This kid likes to sit and watch things that get him angry. So that way he can watch swimming yeah. all fucking yeah. night and think about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> then he yeah. wants me to fucking jump That's on the best time. Too. It's the best time to <laughs> ruminate. Oh, man. <laughs> so your first podcast, how was it? Not too bad. You don't seem you too survived. anymore. No, not too bad. I survived. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Dogs, uh, dogs behave for the most part. So that was a good thing, too. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, this was yeah. Really so Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. This was great. We always, Vinny and I were talking. We were like, all right, like we need to come up with a list of some people we want to have on. And both of us actually mentioned mentioned you because we always see your posts on Instagram and stuff. So uh, that's so cool because I like still remember watching videos of Baloo, thinking like, holy shit, that dog is awesome! Like. man i wish like i wish duke could do any of that and i was like you know struggling in a group class wanting to to die in the corner and blue's over here doing all this cool shit i'm like wow like blue got kicked out of like all the group classes by the way so you're good (laughs) oh good he did terrible in group class (laughs) did i ever tell you the story about journey uh with that did i ever tell you Vinny? the When Journey was uh when he was a puppy, I brought him to a puppy class and um the first few weeks were fine. Everything was good. And then the third or the fourth week of class, they start doing puppy playgroup in the class. Ah. So he loved that. So then the fourth or fifth week, whatever it was, after that like first playtime, we get back there and he's anticipating play. I can't do any training with this dog. He's screaming. Oh, screaming in the class like going nuts <laughs> won't do anything i have like people don't know that i'm a trainer by the way people are coming up to me so funny. oh smart they're with their freaking steak their hamburgers oh. they're yeah. like meatballs <laughs> from leftover dinner the night before handing this to me to try and like oh maybe you need higher value food like yeah. it was so <laughs> embarrassing like, it was so oh man Needless yeah. to say, we didn't. Uh, we didn't. I wish I could have been there for that. Fourth week. That's so funny. <laughs> but yeah. uh, so let everyone know uh, where they can find you, your website, your social media, where your business is located, the name of your business. Yeah. Um. So I live close. I, I live between Latrobe and Derry, Pennsylvania. Uh, my website is www.jzjzs canine spell it out coaching.com uh on instagram i am at jz's.canine.coaching um and then on facebook i'm just jz's canine coaching uh i've got the whole pack on instagram it's uh at duke underscore barra underscore lucy underscore cali underscore gunner maybe gunner cali it's i I literally can't fit any more characters into it (laughs) and then um, i think i'm i was gonna say no more dogs yeah no more dogs can't do it can't fit them so (laughs) yep all right awesome well thank you so much awesome chatting to you yeah thanks so much guys we hope you enjoyed this episode of the canine classroom if you like the show make sure to smack that like button share the show with your friends and give us a rating until next time class dismissed